Let's go to Genesis chapter number 50 and starting with verse 15. All right, you ready? Genesis chapter 50, begin with verse number 15. And when Joseph's brothers, Genesis 50 verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we've done to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please, forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive their trespasses of the servants of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his And they said, Behold, we are servants. And Joseph said to him, to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for my good, in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts, that we would hear your word, and everything that's said and done will bring you the glory. And everyone shouted a great big amen. This morning, I'd like to preach a sermon called The Theology of Lemonade. The Theology of Lemonade. Look to your neighbor and say, he's going to preach on lemonade this morning. The theology of lemonade. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody once said that life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I think I agree with Mr. Forrest Gump this morning that sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get in life. Sometimes life has a way of throwing things at you that completely catches you off guard. Ladies and gentlemen, life happens to all of us. Loss happens to us. Rejection happens to us. Hurt happens to us. Heartache happens to us. Life simply happens. And it's like a box of chocolates. Just don't know what you might get. But you know what? There is no education and there is no fame or fortune that can exempt you from the struggles of life. Someone once said that when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. In other words, I am going to make the best of whatever I'm going through. You say, well, preacher, I still don't get what you're saying. It's what I like to call the theology of lemonade. The theology of lemonade is a reminder that if you're going through something, you have to find your triumph in your adversity. In other words, the theology of lemonade is, is that when life throws you lemons, you've got to make a decision that it's not going to make me bitter but it's going to make me better. The theology of lemonade simply states that I may be going through a hard time, 
But in spite of my hard time, I'm going to find victory in my adversity. You see, the problem is not going to control me. The problem is not going to conquer me or kill me. I'm going to trust God that God is going to turn it around for my good. And this morning, I want to introduce to you a man who has a Ph.D. in lemonade. His name is Joseph. Joseph, his story is found in Genesis 37 through 50. Joseph had some lemons dropped in his lap. Oh yes, Joseph had quite a bit of lemons dropped in his lap. Let me just tell you a little bit about Joseph this morning. For the sake of time, we can't read everything about Joseph's life. So hopefully you will trust me as I tell you a little bit about this man called Joseph in the Old Testament. Did you know that the scripture tells us in Genesis 37 through 50, the story of Joseph, that the Bible says that Joseph was the favored son of Jacob. So he was a favored son of his daddy. His father loved him so much that the Bible says he gave him a coat of many colors. In other words, his daddy said, that's my boy right over there. I gave him a coat of many colors. He's distinguished in favor and honor. Well, you know that his brothers didn't like that. He had several other brothers, 11 other brothers, that didn't like that. How many knows that when you're favored and honored and your daddy's giving you a coat of many colors, it probably is going to produce a problem in the household. So his brothers hated him. And one of his brothers by the name of Reuben had a great idea. Reuben said, you know what, I hate my brother. We're going to throw him in the pit. So they threw him in the pit. But not only did they throw him in the pit, the other brother, his name was Judah. And you know what Judah said? Well, let's throw him in the pit, but let's sell him into slavery. Now let me just stop here and preach a little bit. You know, Judah means praise. You've got to be very careful with people always praising you. Because they'll be the first ones to sell you into slavery. Judah sold him into slavery, and because, listen, because of his loyalty and trustworthiness, he was loyal and trustworthy even in slavery. Guess what? He found favor with the master of the house. His name was Potiphar. Potiphar was so impressed with Joseph that Potiphar gave him the right to be the overseer of his house. Well, one day Mrs. Potiphar batted eyes at Joseph, and she wanted some Jojo that day. But Joseph didn't want to sleep with Mrs. Potiphar. So guess what happened? Mrs. Potiphar tried to lie and get out of a story because Joseph ran away from Mrs. Potiphar and left some of his clothing behind. So when Mr. Potiphar came home, he wanted to know why Joseph's clothing was laying around. And Mrs. Potiphar said, well, you know, that young man that you put in charge of the house, he tried to rape me. Well, Mr. Potiphar was so angry, guess what Mr. Potiphar did? Mr. Potiphar threw him into jail for something that he did not do. He was put in jail because Mrs. Potiphar lied. In jail, Joseph was still hardworking. Joseph was still trustworthy. He was still loyal. And there was two guys in the jailhouse 
The butler and the baker. Well, guess what? The butler and the baker started having bad dreams. And so Joseph had a gift. He could interpret dreams. So guess what this young man did? He began to interpret the butler and the baker's dreams. And the only thing Joseph said was this. Listen, when you get out of jail, please don't forget about me. Please remember me. But the butler and the baker, when they got out of jail... They didn't remember old Joseph. They went on with their life. Well, one day, Pharaoh had a bad dream. And the butler, who used to be in jail, said, Mr. Pharaoh, I remember years ago when I was in jail, there was a young man by the name of, I think his name was Joseph. He had a gift. He can interpret dreams. Pharaoh was like, bring him to me. Joseph went to Pharaoh, and Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, there is a famine coming, and you better get prepared for it. Well, guess what Pharaoh did? Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph, and Joseph was so accurate concerning his interpretation that Pharaoh put him the second man in charge over Egypt. Here is a man that was in jail Here is a man that was in slavery. Here is a man that's been lied upon. And all of a sudden, God promoted this man from the pit to the palace. This man became the second man in charge over all of Egypt. He was a powerful man. And one day, during the famine, his brothers came to him because it was a famine. And Egypt had enough grain to feed people. His 11 brothers came before him, and they recognized it was Joseph. It was our brother who we sold into slavery. And Joseph said, listen, guys, I'm not going to repay you for what you did to me. What you did to me was wrong, but I'm not going to repay you. Because what you meant for evil, God turned it around for my good. If there's anybody in the Bible that has a Ph.D. in lemonade, oh, it's Joseph. Joseph knew how to take life's lemons, and he knew how to make lemonade out of it. He didn't let it make him bitter or unforgiving, but he knew how to take life's worst situation and make it sweet. You may be here and you say, well, preacher, how do I make lemonade in life? I mean, How do I make something hard and difficult? How do I make that victory in my life? How do I make something that's full of lemons into lemonade? Well, I want to take the story of Joseph this morning because there are four facts about Joseph that tells us how he could make lemonade in his life. Number one, Joseph. This is something that I learned about Joseph. Number one, if you're going to make lemonade in your life, We've got to look at the story of Joseph and learn, number one, you cannot let your context change your character. I want you to listen to this preacher. In other words, don't let what you're going through change who you are. You see, Joseph did not let his context change his character. Look at it. Don't let your context change your character. In other words, don't let what you're going through change who you are. You see, Joseph had two things in his life. Joseph had integrity, but Joseph had ambition. 
Oh, Joseph was very ambitious, but he was a man full of integrity. What are you saying, preacher? I am saying this, that no matter if Joseph was in the pit or if Joseph was in the palace, Joseph was always the same person. He walked with integrity. You see, the lion never changed Joseph. When Mrs. Potiphar lied on him, it didn't change who Joseph was. When his brother sold him into slavery, it never changed who Joseph was. When they threw him in the pit, it never changed who Joseph was. I told you the story of Joseph. All throughout his life, his character was the same. He was loyal. He was trustworthy. He was a man of integrity. They lied on him, and he still was trustworthy. Mrs. Potiphar did him wrong, and he still was trustworthy. You because Joseph understood that you cannot let your context change your character. Do not let one person or one thing have so much power over you that it changes who you are, ladies and gentlemen. You see, ladies and gentlemen, don't let ugly make you ugly. Don't let bitter make you bitter. Don't let broken make you broken. You've got to have the attitude that no matter what context I'm in, no matter what I am doing, where I'm at, that situation is not going to change who I am. God made me joyful, and you're not going to make me bitter. God made me generous, and you're not going to make me selfish. I'm not going to let ugly people make me ugly. I'm not going to let bitter people make me bitter. I'm not going to let selfish people make me selfish. You can be nasty all you want to me. You can lie on me all you want. But I am not going to change who I am. I'm still going to walk with a smile on my face, and I'm still going to believe God in every situation. Listen to this preacher. It is so easy. It is so easy. Listen to me. It is so easy when people have done you wrong, you reach a point in your life where you ask the question, what's the use? I should just act just like them. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so wrongly, have, have you ever been wrong, done wrong in your life before that you reach a point in your life where you ask the question, what's the use? I'm going to start acting just like them. I've given, I, I, I've, I, I've been full of affirmation, I went the second mile, and look how they're acting. Look how they're acting. It's so easy to come to that place. But you see, in Joseph. Joseph had all kinds of things happen to him, and it never changed his character. Listen, if your situation changes who you are, then your integrity and influence will decrease. Joseph remained the same no matter what happened to him. Let me say this. There's nothing worse than someone change who they are when they get promoted. There's nothing worse than that. I mean, they used to talk to you when they made $5 an hour and had an office beside of you. But the moment they get promoted and get a new car and a better job, they walk down the hallway and act like they don't even know you or speak to you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Joseph remained the same. He was the same person full of integrity, trustworthiness in the pit, and he's the same person in the palace. Is there anybody that hears this preacher this morning? It doesn't matter whether I'm up 
or whether I'm down, whether I'm driving a Buick or a Benz, whether I have Prada or Payless, I'm going to be the same no matter what. Nobody can affect who I am. Joseph is a reminder that you can't let situations change your character. You can't let your context change who you are. He was trustworthy. He was loyal in the pit, but he was also the same in the palace. Hallelujah. I'm going to remain the same. How do I make lemon out of how do I make lemon out of lemonade? Or how do I make lemonade out of lemons? Number two, you learn from Joseph that you can't let what happened to you hinder you from helping. Listen to this preacher. Don't let what happened hinder you from helping. Let me ask this question. Are you willing to still help others even when you've been done wrong? I mean, look at Joseph. No matter what happened to Joseph, you find in Scripture he was always helping someone. He was helping Potiphar. He was overseeing his house. He was helping the baker. He was interpreting dreams. He was helping the butler. He was interpreting their dreams. You understand what I'm saying? He was helping. And what happens is, is when somebody does us wrong, we quit helping people. But that's not happens with Joseph. Let me say this. Where there is an opportunity to help, there is an obligation to help. You cannot excuse yourself from helping because somebody did you wrong. I'm going to say that again. Can, are y'all hearing me this morning? You cannot excuse yourself from helping people because somebody did you wrong. Because when you've been done wrong, the devil makes you believe the world owes you something. I don't have to help anyone until somebody does right by me. You don't know the hell I've been through, Pastor. I'm burnt out. I don't want to help nobody. Listen, that's not the story of Joseph. Joseph was willing to help in spite of what happened to him. You see, when you help someone, you sow a seed that will reap an unexpected harvest. Now, let me explain here because I don't want to shout because I want to get the point across. God has a way of taking the good that you did over here and reward you over here. Did you hear me? You say, well, pastor, I did good here. I gave here. I was kind here. And that person doesn't even acknowledge it. That's all right. Because when you help someone, you may not get the harvest by him or her, but God will send somebody over here, and God will make sure you're repaid over here. Can I hear an amen? You will do right by someone who will never do right by you. You will help somebody, they will forget about you. You will do good, and they will be mean to you. You will bless people. But when you need help, they run the opposite direction. What are you saying, Pastor? I am saying that you are looking for people for your source of harvest. Listen, people are not your source of harvest. God is the source of harvest. Did you hear me? This is how the Lord works. 
This is how the Lord works. He sees you being kind over here. That person may never repay you. That person may never say thank you. That person may never do anything to repay you. That's all right. God sees you being kind over here. But what God will do is that he will send somebody over here to bless you. And when you look at people as your source of harvest, you'll get discouraged. The Bible says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. If you keep on loving, if you keep on helping, if you keep on forgiving, if you keep on being kind, God says, I'm going to reward you. Never fall into the excuse that because I've been done wrong, I'm not going to help any longer. Joseph was a man who continued to help even when he was done wrong. Number three, don't let what you're going through govern your gift. You see, Joseph had a gift, didn't he? And what was that gift? That gift was to interpret dreams. Is that right? Joseph could interpret dreams. But isn't it amazing that Joseph interpreted dreams in the pit, but he also could interpret dreams in the palace? Oh, I wish somebody would just help Pastor out right there. He used his gift in the pit, and he used his gift in the palace. Joseph said, there is no circumstance beneath my gift. I'm not going to wait till I'm rewarded and recognized in the palace so I can show everybody my gift. Anybody can use their gift in the palace when there's a reward at hand. Anybody can do his or her best when there's an immediate reward. But can you use your gift in the pit when nobody is seeing you? Boy, this is some good preaching right here. I, 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 not in this church, but in my ministry, I've had people say, I ask them, do you think that you could help me out and maybe, you know, do this or do that? No, I want to preach, Pastor. Let me tell you something. If God has gifted you and anointed you, then you can clean the toilet before you take a microphone. Well, I wish somebody would just help me out. I know this ain't popular. If you can't be faithful in the pit, God is not going to promote you to the palace. Joseph said, there is no circumstance beneath my gift. I'll use it wherever. If God has given you a voice and you're waiting for somebody to bring you up here to give you a microphone to sing, then you may be waiting a long time, baby. You need to use your voice at the nursing home. Use your voice at home. Use your gift in the pit before he promotes you to the palace. Is there anybody hearing me today? Joseph used his gift in the pit, even in the palace. He didn't wait till he was celebrated to show his gift. Some of you are really gifted. And you're losing the gift because you're sitting there waiting for an opportunity for somebody to recognize you. And God is saying, if you're really that gifted, use the gift wherever you're at. The Bible says, a man's gift, Proverbs 18, 16, a man's gift 
will make room for him and bring him before great men. Your gift makes room for him. Is this all, is this all right preaching right here? I said, is this all right preaching right here? Don't let what you go through govern your gift. Don't disrespect the gift because you don't like the situation you're in. Number four, and in closing, don't let your problems cause a perplexity about God's presence. Now listen to me. In other words, don't allow the pain of life make you wonder if God is there. If God is with me, then why is this happening to me? If the Lord loves me, why is this happening to me? You see, you can struggle so much, it can make you wonder if God is even there. Have you ever been there before? I'm sure Joseph faced that. Joseph was in the pit. Then he was in slavery. Then they lied on him and said he raped somebody that he didn't do. Then he was placed in jail. I'm sure if anybody thought to themselves, God, where are you? I mean, if you really love me, why am I being thrown in jail? Why is somebody lying on me? I'm sure struggle can make you get perplexed about God's presence. But let me remind you, let this preacher remind you this morning. The scripture says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. David said in Psalm 139, verse 7, he said this, and I quote, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, you are there. You see, the presence of a problem does not mean the absence of God. Now, let me say this. If you know God is with you, no matter what you are in or facing, if you know God is with you, then the consequence is things got to get better. I'm going to say that again. If you know God is with you, then the consequence is that it has to get better. Because anytime God is involved, things get better. Hallelujah. Joseph said, but as for you, you meant it for evil against me. You see that? Genesis 50, 20. You meant it evil against me. But I love that little, that little word right there. But God meant it for my good in order to bring about this day. How do I know I have real faith? What is the test of real faith? The real test of faith is knowing God even in the struggle. Not giving up, not throwing in the towel, not saying that God is not there, but the real test of faith is to hold on and learn to make lemonade out of your lemons. That no matter what happens to me or in me, I trust God. You see the words of Joseph? He said to his brothers, you meant it evil against me. 
You threw me in jail. I mean, you, you threw me in the pit. You sold me to slavery. You meant it for evil. But God, hallelujah, I just want to shout right there. Cancer, but God. I've been laid off, but God. I'm down, but God. God has a way of turning it around. Now, isn't it interesting? Keep that scripture up there. But as for you, you meant it for my evil. I'm going to close with this. See the word meant? It is the Hebrew word, which means this, to weave. Now, that's interesting. In other words, Joseph said, what you did to me, you, you weaved in my life bad things. But God also weaved in some good things. Now, now, hold on here. Have you ever seen a tapestry? Have you ever seen, you know what a tapestry is? It's a fancy rug on the wall. Right? How many seen some beautiful tapestries before? And you know what's interesting about tapestries? Is that if you look, now don't lose me, if you look on one side, it looks beautiful. But if you turn around the tapestry, it does not look beautiful. It's discolored. It looks ugly in some cases. And you're, if you just look at the back of a tapestry, you look at the weave, and you look at the colors that was weaved together, and it looks like it's ugly. But if you turn the tapestry around to the other side, it looks beautiful. And I just want you to know that some of you are looking at the wrong side of your life. You're looking at the side and you say, how is this going to work out for my good? What is God doing? You're looking at the wrong side of your life. And when you look at the wrong side of your life, all you will see is what was meant for evil. But if you can turn it around, you will see that God has weaved some good things in your life. Can I hear an amen? Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God has meant it for my good. God has weaved in my life in spite of you weaving evil things. I tell you what, if there's ever a man that knew how to take lemons and make lemonade, I tell you this is the theology of lemonade. Number one, we learn from Joseph that you cannot let your context change your character. In other words, you've got to be you wherever you are at. I'm the same person. Number two, you learn that don't let what happened to you hinder you from helping. Number three, you learn that don't let what you're going through govern your gift. Learn to use the gift no matter where you're at in your life, whether it's the pit or the palace, because your gift makes room for you. Number four, you cannot let your problems cause a perplexity about God's presence because God is there and he is weaving in your life even when you don't know it. Joseph said, as for, me, as for you, you meant it evil, but God weaved some good in my life. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. I look back over my life and I see some things that maybe, you know, some distresses and despondencies with family and issues like that. 
And I'm like, how in the world? Sometimes I just wish, why in the world did certain things happen the way they did? But I look back and I am thankful today that sometimes I just see the backside of my life. But I am here to let you know that if you are faithful to God, God will weave good in your life. Hallelujah. Turn the tapestry around. Look at your life from the front end. Look at your life from the back end. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. I'm telling you, God is in the business of weaving good in your life. 